Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart Radio. And this Bible study uh, is also for the Blessed Hope Community Church. So we want to give God thanks for this opportunity and to welcome you uh, as fellow believers in Christ, as those who have joint things in common with Christ. So that is the meaning of the word fellowship. We uh, we can have fellowship one with another. And uh, in the letter to the Hebrews uh, would have us be aware of not to forsake uh, the assembling of ourselves together, as some had done during the first century. Uh, we need fellowship and. Uh, we need to encourage one another in the faith once for all given uh, to the saints as Jude states. Uh, when you get an opportunity, please read the short and yet powerful book of Jude. And so before this morning, this morning's study, let us, uh, let us begin with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, our Savior, for this opportunity to meet with one another. And we desire your we thirst for you, and we need you, Lord, uh, in the cosmic system. We are scattered abroad throughout the world in different countries, in different states, and on different continents. And so we ask to be blessed by your spirit, Lord, and please create in our hearts a spirit of fellowship and oneness so that we are mindful to pray for one another in these, uh, these present evil days. And so we ask uh, that your spirit would guide us as we study your word and we pray that there are no unconfessed sin in our lives so that we may receive wonderful things out of the book of thy law. In the name of Christ our Savior, amen. Uh, now this morning uh, we're going to be studying from Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 1 Timothy three sixteen. And we're going to be taking a look also in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. So uh, I want to give you a little background uh, after I read the verse uh, in 1 Timothy uh, 3.16. So I'll do that presently. Quote, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, 
received up into glory, unquote. Now, also, uh, we turn to Second uh, Thessalonians. Uh, Paul makes this uh, very uh, important statement in verse 7. So this is Second Thessalonians 2, 7, which we quote, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth, this is the old King James English, which means this word letteth means to hold back or to restrain. Only he who now letteth will let, or he who now restrains will restrain until he be taken out of the way. And verse 8 reads, and then, and then shall that wicked, that should read wicked one, be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceitfulness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, the, uh, uh, the, there's no indefinite article in Greek, so it's not a lie. It is the, the definite article, the, so that they should believe the lie. Verse 12, that they all might be damned or judged who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, I read down to verse 12 because I want you to see uh, how verse 12 is a commentary on verse 7. And so, Start uh, in Second Thessalonians uh, chapter two, beginning uh, verse seven. So, verse seven speaks about the mystery of iniquity, and in First Timothy two sixteen, Paul talks about the the mystery of godliness, the mystery of godliness. Now, also in First Timothy. Uh, 2.9, Paul uh, writes, quote, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. So now uh, during Paul's day, uh, there existed, and probably still do, the Greek uh, mystery religions. And uh, so the mystery religions had certain cult practices that uh, were called sacred secrets, and some of them were called mysteries, or the the mystery of uh, uh, the mystery cults of the Greeks. And these were uh, they had some practices that I don't want to talk about on this show, but I want you to see the parallelism between the mystery of iniquity and the mystery of godliness. Now, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, 
uh, so we have the Musterion of Anomia. Now, nomos is is the word uh, is a Greek word for law, nomos. And uh, Paul wrote his letter to the Galatians to address uh, those who were without law. Uh, these believers were uh, being uh, hunted down and uh, frightened and intimidated uh, by false teachers and who were lawless. Now, so this word iniquity in uh, Thessalonians 2.7 does not refer to sin. It is literally uh, the, the mysterion, the mystery of anomia, that is the mystery of lawlessness. And the word mystery means a sacred or divine secret hitherto unknown, but is presently revealed. So the mystery of lawlessness doth already work. So you and I live in what the Bible terms, uh, Paul writes uh, about certain events that will happen in the last days. And the word uh, last days, as used by Paul, uh, is the word uh, eschaton. And so the eschaton uh, existed during the first century. So I want you to get the context of what is going on. And so uh, this mystery of lawlessness uh, uh, was already uh, showing itself or manifesting itself uh, during a time of the first century church. Now, in First John, John talks about, uh, John speaks of antichrist, plural, antichrist. Plural. And so, um, John, uh, these believers uh, to whom John wrote, uh, were also uh, dealing with false teachers. <laughs> now, I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try or test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are, are, are gone out into the world. That word should be cosmos. Hereby know you the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth or confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, from God as a source. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Now, uh, this is a very important term for believers to understand because the uh, prefix anti means against or opposed. So, an so Antichrist, this is that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof you have heard that it should come, 
And then after a semicolon, uh, John writes, and even now already is in the world. And even now already is in the world. Now, both Paul and John and also Peter had extraordinary discernment and also Jude about uh, the presence of evil spirits, uh, the, the presence of evil supernaturalism in the world. And I have lamented over the years the failure of local churches to not teach saints uh, about evil supernaturalism. Because the spirit world is very real. And what is interesting to me, uh, I hear on the, the different podcasts that I listen to, uh, people say, well, uh, we're doing this or certain events have to unfold and this and that is taking place uh, so that these people will wake up. These people need to wake up. And when are they going to wake up? Uh, Look, one has to uh, be, one has to understand that uh, the devil is behind the unrest in the world. He is the creator of chaos. He is the agent of chaos. He does not promulgate peace. You and I serve the God of peace. Satan wants to lay waste to the world. And read Isaiah. And read what Isaiah uh, teaches about uh, evil, uh, uh, evil cosmology or the cosmology of evil. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, that we wrestle not against blood and flesh. And that word wrestle in the Greek means to uh, vibrate against. So these men whom God had anointed with his spirit were very astute observers of their time. And so on podcasts, people can say, well, these people need to wake up. Why won't they wake up? You have to understand that spells, that evil supernaturalism employs spells to keep people asleep, to keep people uh, so that they will not wake up. And then there are others who reject the knowledge of God and what he has done for humanity through Christ, uh, we read that because they reject the gospel, the charisma, the good news of Jesus, that God, this is 2 Thessalonians 2.11. I'm going to read verses 10 and 11 again. And with speaking of uh, the coming of the Antichrist, and with all, verse 10, all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, 
God shall send them strong delusion or spirit of error that they should believe the lie. See, this is judgment out from God. And understand that this ion, uh, this, spirit, uh, this age is going to end uh, with the tribulation period, the great, the great time of squeezing, the great time of pressure. Because some call it the great tribulation. In fact, the great tribulation begins in the, uh, after three and a half years. Uh, the covenant is broken between the Antichrist, the little horn, and Israel. Then the great tribulation begins. But the tribulation period itself is a seven-year period uh, that is to come upon the earth. And Isaiah writes that this time is going to be so severe uh, with the judgments of God that the earth is going to reel or move back and forth to and fro like a drunken man. So uh, this is a harrowing period. And yet, there are some expositors uh, who teach that uh, there are expositors who teach that God is going to allow to go through uh, and suffer through the great tribulation. That is not found in scripture. That is not found in the eschatological documents of either First Thessalonians or Second Thessalonians, with which were Paul's first writings. So the mystery of lawlessness. Think in our own country now. Think about what's going on here. Let's defund the police. Let's teach critical race theory. And there was a video last week about a school in Kentucky in which the young boys, the young men, uh, were in scantily clad outfits, and they were in the auditorium of their school, and they gave lap dances to faculty members. These were boys. These were young boys. So I want you to really get an understanding as to the degree of rot and rottenness that is going on in the culture. And then you have these reading times in libraries where these trans people will go and search for so-called story time and read books to children, and they will expose themselves to these children. Or parents who are fighting school boards that want gay, sexually explicit literature taught in school with pictures and words, pictures and words. And so they're not only attempting to brainwash, they're attempting to destroy, to rot the brains of children from the inside out. And so they don't want parents uh, to have any say over the curricula of what their children sit under. And so uh, we have uh, the fake attorney general 
talk about uh, parents as enemy of the state or or domestic terrorists because they want to separate parents from their children. They want to destroy the nuclear family. And they, they have been successful in running men away from their responsibilities as fathers by giving them what? Cheap pornography, cheap on, on video and books so they can rot the well-being of men. And they have uh, promulgated the, the ineptitude of fathers uh, for, for many, many years on state-controlled TV. Men are incompetent. Men are incapable. Fathers are useless. We don't need them. And they have elevated what? The ability of women to go out and do everything they need to do on their own. Now, that's the propaganda. And the other side, they don't tell you about the increase uh, in heart disease among women. That's not part of the message. Heart disease, alcoholism, prescription drug abuse, anger, depression, all this stuff now has come into the lives of women, which we can go uh, um, along the timeline and we can find out when this began to happen. Well, let's put them on birth control pills. And uh, let's make uh, abortion legal and turn into an industry where we can harvest uh, babies at the point of birth. And let's have laws that extend into uh, the ninth month uh, before the, the head of the baby or after the head is taken out of, of the birth canal, then we can begin destroying the baby. Or we can destroy the baby in, u- in utero uh, with various solutions, saline solutions, etc. or we can puncture the baby's brain. All kinds of horrendous uh, things are, are done to these babies. And God sees. People don't make the connection with is that this is the spirit of lawlessness. Everything that God says is holy, just, right, beautiful, good, and, and wonderful. They, the spirit of lawlessness, seeks to untie and destroy. Now, God is going to allow certain events to take place within the constraints of his will. Nothing is going to happen outside of the constraints of the decree and will of God. God has determined certain things. That is his bole, his determined will. And then God has allowed certain things to be. That is the lemma, that is his permissive will. And so uh, the mystery of iniquity is already at work. I have some Bibles that, I, Bibles that I recently purchased, and I've looked very close at the language in some passages. There's one Bible I bought recently, and it leaves out 
it, it states that Jesus was the Son of God. But it doesn't. Re- it, it leaves out only begotten Son, only begotten Son. And I have a, uh, some other Bibles where the the some other Bible where the the comment, the commentary that is in the Bible. Man, uh, these things are incredible. And unbiblical. So you and I have to be very astute students of the word, like the noble Bereans who searched the scriptures to see whether or not these things were so. How come people are so rude today, you might say? And why are people yelling at one another uh, today about, uh, wearing a, a, a trite uh, piece of cloth over one's face because people don't know history and people don't understand uh, the symbolism of this so-called mask mandate. People don't understand symbolism anymore because they're, they're, people are no longer being educated. You can just go back to World War II, the pre-war days, uh, when the Jews had to wear the star of David on their clothing to identify them as enemies of the state. That wasn't so long ago. And there are other things in history that, that are equally uh, horrendous, like the, the uh, putting uh, Americans who were Japanese by ethnicity into camps here in the United States during the war. People were born here. They had businesses and family, yet they were considered enemies of the state. Or Native Americans being herded into so-called reservations and killing off their food sources and poisoning water and giving them disease blankets, blankets with smallpox. I don't have to make up anything, but I just want you to know what this spirit of error is and why it is taking place. It's already at work. And you and I are privy to a limited amount of information about uh, what's going on in different societies and uh, different political spheres. We get we have a limited amount of information, but there's a lot of information that is withheld from us so that we don't know what is going on. And so people, they don't know about the many technological weapons that are invisible that are being used against them uh, at this time to destabilize their minds and their bodies through frequencies and through waves and through other types of technologies that they don't see. If I don't see it, it doesn't exist. And so I, as a result, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be concerned uh, about the impact uh, of this, uh, this on my life. And that's not true. Now, 
In First Timothy, chapter three, verse sixteen, uh, Paul writes, "Quote uh, once again, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory." Unquote. So, now this word. Uh, this is an interesting word. This word, this word, controversy, it is a word that is used, uh, transliterated in John 16 as confess. We confess our sins. But here, uh, it is used in this manner, without controversy. So, uh, this word here, it should read uh, confessedly. And confessedly, that here's a confession that, and he's writing to this pastor, and confessedly great is the mystery of godliness. So again, this word mystery or mysterion means a, a sacred secret, a hitherto unknown, yet uh, God, God uh, has revealed. And notice, this is another name or, or what we call uh, the nomenclature here is a reference to the person of Jesus. In verse 9, Paul talks and speaks about the mystery of the faith, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. See, as a, and I love the language because as a believer, you don't want a dirty, uh, polluted conscience. How can you serve the living God with a dirty, polluted conscience? It takes work. It takes what? Confessing sin, walking in the spirit. You will not fulfill, you will not fill the lust of the flesh. Uh, make confession of sin. It is uh, having what? My feet washed by the spirit of God because as I walk into in this uh, cosmos, I'm going to be contaminated with the stuff of this age. And so I want a clean conscience. If I have on the armor of God, I cannot be dirty underneath the armor. Does that make sense? Holding or having the mystery of the faith in a clean conscience. And then he goes on, and confessedly, great is the mystery of God. It's great. Omega is the word here. Uh, this word is also you, uh, Paul talks. Uh, and then he goes on. God was manifest in the flesh. Please read uh, John chapter 1. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then John goes on, and he talks about uh, how the Word, the Logos, was made flesh, made flesh. Now, that word made in Greek means an entrance into a new estate or condition. The word was made flesh. So God, uh, that is the through the incarnation, entered into a state uh, that did not exist before. So God was manifest in the flesh. 
This language is compelling. This language is meaningful. This language is powerful. God was manifest in the flesh. Where? Here. For, for this fear. And when you read the Old Testament and you read the genealogies in both Matthew and Luke, the genealogy in Matthew is the genealogy of Yosef or Joseph. And because of Jeconiah or Kaniah in that bloodline, uh, that bloodline was cursed by God in the book of Jeremiah because this aberrant, godless king, when given the word by Jeremiah, took a knife and cut up God's word and put it in his fire pot. So he despised the word of God. And God judged him for despising his word. Look, there are people who believe that they can despise the gospel. And the writer to the Hebrews talks about those, what will happen to them. There he said, there remains no more sacrifice for sin for people who believe they, that they can trotten underfoot the blood of the Son of God, the blood of Jesus. They want to trample Upon, they want to stamp down. They want to despise the blood sacrifice that Jesus made to give them life. You see the will of the flesh, and you see that the mind of the flesh cannot please God. The mind of the flesh despises God. Such people will not be at home in heaven. Such people will not, uh, they could not be in the presence of God. Because according to John 3, these are people uh, who love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Justified in the spirit through the resurrection, we see that everything that Jesus said, spoke, did, testified to, these things they were all justified through the resurrection. People saw, people saw uh, uh, in his post-resurrection appearances that the world did its best to remove or to destroy his presence. The devil did his best. The devil could not keep Jesus coming through the bloodline of, of Jeconiah or Kaniah down to Joseph. That was the rejected bloodline. But Jesus would inherit the throne of his uh, father David through his mother, through Heli. And that genealogy is in the Gospel of Luke. It is important to study the word of God. It was not easy. The devil attempted, the devil tried to keep the, uh, the, uh, the uh, incarnation from happening. And since he couldn't do that, when uh, uh, Jesus, he tried to kill Jesus as an infant. But 
the Holy Spirit took us to Joseph, and Joseph took his wife and baby. He was the legal father of Jesus, not the biological father. He was the legal father of Jesus into Egypt, thus fulfilling the scripture, out of Egypt I have called my son. Then when Herod died, according to the will of God, Jesus came back to be raised in Nazareth. So, Jesus is the will of God. Jesus is the manifestation in the flesh of the purpose of God for not fallen humanity. Some theologians like to use the word fallen. The Bible never talks about, for just instance in Genesis 3, the Bible never teaches about the fall of man. So there was no fall. There's no language in either the New Old Testament or New Testament that justifies the use of the term fall. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were dead in trespasses and sin. And the language that Paul uses is really frightening because the word, he uses the word ontos, O-N-T-A-S which means being, a state of being, being, existing, in trespasses and sin. We get our word ontology, which is uh, O-N-T-O-L-O-G-Y, which is the study of the doctrine of being or existence from this word. It's a frightening term. And so we teach the word of God so that we will have an accurate understanding of what God is doing, of what God wants us to understand. So Jesus was justified in the spirit. Next scene of angels. Now, that stone was was rolled away from the sepulcher, not so that Jesus could, could get out, because the grave could not hold him. And in Peter's great sermon on the day of Pentecost, uh, he uses language that personifies death. And death is pictured as trying, trying to hold Jesus down as a wrestler would hold down an opponent or to pin Jesus down. But then death stated, I could not hold him. Because he is Lord of all. You get that? That Jesus is Lord of all. Please read Revelation chapter 1. Jesus said, I have the keys of hell and of death. I have the keys. I have the keys. The devil had the keys of death, but then that was taken away from him by Jesus. You see why the devil didn't want Jesus to come? Because Jesus had come to take everything, and he did. So you have great power in prayer. We have great power in praise. 
we have to determine that we're going to follow the person of Jesus. And we're going to live according to the word of God. That has to be that has to be determined. You're going to face many, you and I will face many temptations along the way. Okay? We're going to face temptations. I face temptations. You face temptations. But you have to have that determination that you're going to follow the living God, that you're going to follow Jesus. This is Hebrews 9, verse 26, quote, for then must he have uh, must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world, end of the age, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him, he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. That without sin means he is not going back to die uh, to offer himself up as a sacrifice for sin anymore. No, he's coming back to get his own. He's coming back for us. He's coming back to receive us, to get us. And then he is going to bring judgment unto this world that has rejected uh God's grace offering of salvation through his son. So, scene of angels in Acts chapter 1. There were two men that stood by the apostles and watched Jesus uh, ascend into heaven. In Luke's gospel, there were two men at, uh, at the sepulcher that stood by them and said to them, why, I love the language, why seek ye the living among the dead? And the women were the first to believe, and they went back and told the apostles. And, and we read in Luke's gospel that at first they did not believe, and that for Peter, these things seemed to him like idle tale. Idle tale. The resurrection of Peter was blessed by the Holy Spirit to have his eyes open and he and he believed the resurrection had occurred. And it, and indeed the Lord showed himself unto his apostles. He showed himself alive. He showed uh, that he had indeed arisen from the grave. Think what Peter saw. Think what the apostles saw upon that cross. And many of them have run away. He, Jesus was preached unto the Gentiles or the nations, believed on in the world. Notice the language, believed on. And received up into glory. You and I have a wonderful legacy in the word of God and a wonderful salvation in the person of Jesus. My prayer for you today is that you would just turn your eyes unto Jesus and live only for him in this present evil age. Good morning, and God bless you.